Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. morning, uh, Pastor Jeff is out of town. He serves in executive leadership with the Assemblies of God here in Louisiana. He's been called to a national meeting um, with the leadership from across America, really determining uh, some major decisions with the Assemblies of God and our Global Missions Agency. We literally have over 12,000 churches, and Pastor Jeff is a part of that leadership council. So how many of you agree to pray for him this week? Yeah, because... Um, you know, it's a lot of long meetings, and that's just not what he normally does. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Um, but hey, um, let's just do this right now. How many are thankful for our pastors? Let's give them a great hand, because you know, he's probably watching right now. And uh, today, guys, we have just a treat for uh, Crossroads Church. Um, we are introducing an initiative called The Harvest uh, through Adult and Teen Challenge. And today, um, a, a guy that is um, one of Pastor Jeff's great friends, one of my great friends, he and his wife, Sandy, I've been knowing them. I don't know when we met. It's just been so long ago, I forgot when we met. Uh, that's how long it's been. Um, but he serves as the Vice President of Adult and Teen Challenge here in Louisiana. He has an amazing testimony, and you're gonna hear part of that testimony today. Um, I want us to stand to our feet and give honor to my friend and a friend of Crossroads, Gary Bentley. Good morning, Crossroads. Y'all were better than the first group. Let's hear it again. Good morning. All right. Y'all can be seated. It's great to be here. Uh, before I go any further, I'd like to introduce you to my beautiful wife, Sandy, if you would stand up, babe. This is, uh, she's amazing. Amen. Love you. Um, also, we've got, we've got some Lafayette Teen Challenge guys here this morning. Where you at, guys? Stand up. Y'all give these guys a hand. And we have their amazing directors, Scotty and Hannah. Would y'all stand up? Y'all give Scotty and Hannah a hand. Just a brief update, we've got eight campuses across the state of Louisiana. They're all one-year uh, programs to help men and women overcome addiction through the power of the gospel. Amen? Uh, that's basically what we do, and we appreciate the years of support from your pastors and you guys and Crossroads Church. Uh, without you guys, we wouldn't be where we're at today, and we just want to thank you. You need to give yourselves a hand for helping us make a difference. I, um, you know, I, my full-time job is obviously here in Louisiana. I do serve on the national board, and I helped uh, leaders from all over the country come up with this bold initiative that we're going to just tell you a little bit about, and it's Harvest 2025. You know, the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, right? The laborers are few. And uh, that hasn't changed, amen? And uh, we need people, and we need just robust, bold vision to reach the lost. And I just want to tell you a little bit about 
what our vision is, and uh, your pastor Bud will follow up with that a little later on. Why Harvest 2025, and why have this vision? Because there's over 20 million Americans over the age of 12 that are struggling with life-controlling issues. Not just people who are sociably using, people who are struggling and need help and need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've, uh, we had 93,000 deaths by a drug overdose in 2020. That was a 30% increase from 2019. I don't know if you know this, but fentanyl is a drug that dealers across the country are cutting their opiates with and cutting their heroin with, and it's killing people daily. And the church needs to rise up and pray for that. Amen? And uh, that's why Harvest 2025. Uh, so what are we doing? There's, there's a few components to this. The first is Project Reach. So there's going to be a 90-day evangel evangelistic effort every year till 2025. Our goal is to reach 100,000 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teen Challenge campuses all over the country will be having uh, outreaches to make that happen. We're also launching Ready Now Recovery, which is basically non-residential uh, treatment. We found out that nine out of 10 people who need treatment will not go to a residential program. So we've gotta do something to reach those people. So Ready Now Recovery is something that we're launching. The goal by 2025 is 15,000 program graduates. Can I get an amen? We're going to make it happen. We're also starting some restoration centers, and all this is already launched. We're just, we're just building momentum. Restoration centers, and we're, uh, the goal by 2025 is to have 15,000 graduates. This is for people who have graduated a treatment program but fell away and need to get refreshed and back on their feet. And we're also going to start active duty and veterans specialized teen challenges. We're going to have adult and teen challenge campuses on our military bases. Can I get an amen? And we're excited about that. Uh, you know, so someone who needs help uh, can be in active duty and not, not, you know, just get out of what they feel like they're supposed to do with their life get back on their feet, and, and continue on with their service. We're going to show you a video about this later, but before we do, I want to share with you a message this morning. Can I do that? Who is your neighbor? You know, the, the disciples asked Jesus that question. We've all got someone sitting to the left of us, to the right of us, in front of us, and back of us. That could be our neighbor, Got someone living next door to us across the street. We have coworkers, we have friends, we have families. But who is our neighbor? Who are we supposed to reach with the power of the gospel? And here's a sobering thought a lot of people in the church today do not reach people with the gospel of Christ. It's just a fact. It's not, a, it's not saying that to make anyone feel bad about what you're doing and about your walk with Christ. It's just a fact. We're not out there reaching people. That's why we're having this bold vision of Harvest 2025. You know, we've got to get out of our shell. You know, we help people at Adult and Teen Challenge because people will call us. And they'll say, I need help. And we say, okay, and they come in. Well, we've got to get out of that. 
We've got to be bolder and we've got to get beyond our walls of our campuses and do something about it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're all familiar with this scripture. Therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, they're what? A new creation. Everybody say new creation. We all know that. We quote it all the time. It's a part of our lifestyle. We quote it to someone who's hurting or struggling. We tell them, you need Jesus. You'll become a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. But we never quote the next verse. Verse 18 says this. Now, who? it's funny that verse 18 is following up, talking about what a new creation is. Verse 18 says, all of this is from God who reconciled or restored us to himself through what? Through the power of Christ and gave us. Everybody say me. Gave me a ministry of restoration, a ministry of reconciliation. Bible school didn't give it to me. You with me? A discipleship program didn't give that ministry to me. My ordination papers did not give the ministry of restoration to me. The fact that I have, I'm honored to speak or preach or teach, that does not you know, qualify me as having a ministry of restoration. What gives me the ministry of restoration is the fact that I'm restored. Amen? And if I'm restored by the power of God, I have been given. What a thought, guys. Every person who knows Christ as your personal Lord and Savior in this room today, everyone listening online, if you know Christ, you've literally been given a ministry. That's what the Bible says. You've been given a ministry of restoration, of reconciliation. Why? Because Jesus, God, he loves the world. His love goes beyond my my little home. And he wants to use us to reach the other folks that he loves just as much as he loves you and I. Y'all with me? So who is my neighbor? And we had this, we had this question that was asked in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 26 and read through here real quick. And this is, you know, the disciples were always kind of trying to trip Jesus up, you know, as you read through the, the Gospels. So what is written in the law, the question was asked. How does it read to you? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and then the last few words, and your neighbor as yourself. I often think of how it was very difficult before I came to Christ. I came to Christ actually 25 years ago this month, amen? So 25 years ago, up until giving my heart to Christ, and it was still a struggle after that, I didn't love myself. I literally, at one point in my life, thought I was created to be a drug addict. That was my lot in life. I thought, you know what? That's who I am. I might as well embrace it. That's that's what I'm called to be. And countless people think the same way. Love your neighbor as yourself. First of all, we got to learn to love ourselves. And as we grow in loving ourselves, we're supposed to take that ministry that's been given to us and spread the love. Can I get an amen? And he said to to him, you've answered correctly. 
do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Christ, well, who is my neighbor? So we have the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus really painted a beautiful picture of who everybody's neighbor in this room this morning is. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and they beat him. They went away, they left him half dead. If you look this, uh, this road that he was traveling in the original language, it was, uh, it was called the bloody road because people who traveled that road were constantly getting robbed. This man got robbed. Let me tell you something. There's people, and I'm, 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 you know, addiction is, is the space that I've, I've in, I'm, I'm in. I've been in it for 25 years, helping people get free from addiction. But, but we all just, we all need Jesus, man. We all got stuff we need free from, Amen. And, I, and I, I think about this guy, you know, he was minding his own business. I was kind of minding my own business when I was 14 years old and decided to do something that I knew was wrong. I didn't know I was going to be uh, a person who would become addicted. Nobody does. So he, he, he's left for dead. And here, here's what's amazing to me. By chance, the Bible says, a priest and a Levite passed him by. Two Christian leaders, two people. You could, you could take it to today, today's terminology, a pastor and a deacon or an elder passed this guy by. Someone who's been in church for 30 years saw this man beaten and left for dead. And they probably said, today, here's what would be said, well, he probably got robbed by his dealer. And he strung out that's what he deserves. We have no idea. So I'm asking the question here this morning, who is our neighbor? Who is that person? Well, Jesus is telling us here this morning, and thank God we had the good Samaritan who was on a journey. He came upon him, and we all know the story. He pulled him out of the ditch. He bandaged him up, took him to a hotel or an inn, paid for his night. Then he asked the person at the end, say, look, can you put him up and I'll, get you, I'll pay you back. So this good Samaritan, someone who recognized the gift that had been given to him by God, which is the gift, the ministry of restoration, the ministry of reconciliation, he recognized, you know what? This is my calling. I don't need to wait for my ordination papers to do this kind of work, Right? I don't need to wait to be anointed by someone to do this type of work. I am a child of God, therefore, this is my calling. Amen? Are y'all with me this morning? So, we all know what he did. So Jesus told his disciples, now they've got a good picture of who their neighbor is. This is your neighbor, now go do the same. He's telling everyone in this room to do the same. And I got a, a picture I want to share with you. This was, this was who I was 25 years ago. This month, 25 years ago, that's who I was, homeless on the streets of New Orleans. I can't tell you how many people did not want anything to do with me. Guys, this is not how I was raised. I was raised in a building like this. 
I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group, potluck dinners. Anytime they had donuts, I was there, man. But I didn't know Jesus. Had no idea who he was. I learned how to do church. I learned how to behave in church sometimes, right? Sometimes I can remember my mom in the choir, man. She'd give me the side eye. Anybody ever got a side eye from your mom? Man, it's almost like I'd rather you get a switch. That side eye is painful. But I get that side eye, and I knew I had to straighten my act up on the back, back row. I didn't know Christ in church. You can, you can take the picture down. But that, that, that shot was... Uh, 18 years of addiction. I went through five different rehabilitation programs to no avail. The first program I went in, my parents paid $30,000 for 28 days of getting sober. Checked out. I was the same person. Four rehabs later, I'm still the same person. Nobody ever introduced me to Christ. Nobody. They gave me some steps to work, and they told me, if you'll do this, and you'll go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and all this stuff. So, honestly, stuff that was unobtainable. And I felt like if I didn't obtain those goals, I was never going to be fit. I was never going to get sober. So that guy that you just saw was homeless on the West Bank of New Orleans, and I was, I was in a Winn-Dixie, and I was, I was, well, I actually wasn't shopping. I was stealing, okay? There's a difference. I don't know if you knew that. <clears throat> if you're shopping, you go to the cash register, and, you know, and you pay. But I had a half a case of beer and some stolen cigarettes and uh, walking out of Winn-Dixie. Well, a smart thief, right? You, you would just keep walking across the parking lot if you got any wits about you. Well, I stopped, because I saw this guy, he was a bishop, and I knew he was a bishop because I, I understood church, and I understood how certain leaders dressed in certain denominations, and he had on a black suit with the white collar. He was a bishop with the Church of God in Christ Church on the West Bank of New Orleans, and he had his youth group out there, just like a, a lot of the youth was up here this morning, and they're out there, they had t matching t-shirts on, and they're raising money for something that the youth was doing for their church. Well, obviously, I didn't turn around to go donate, Pastor Bud, but it was just, you know, hindsight, I know that it was God. You know, and I, I just turned around, I walked up to him looking like that picture, and I said, will you pray for me? And he stopped everything that he was doing. And this is what really was incredible to me. He didn't say anything about the beer in my hand. He didn't say anything about the way I looked. He didn't say anything about the cigarettes. He didn't say anything about nothing, what I should or shouldn't do with my life. He simply prayed with me. Yeah. You know what? And he, and he just, he, he, this was like a modern day David Wilkerson. I don't know if you ever read Cross and Switchblade, but that's all David Wilkerson told Nikki Cruz and those gang members. He said, look, God loves you. And there's a new, there's another way of living. And that's what that bishop told me. He says, God loves you. And I walked away. And every time I drank, Towards the end of my addiction, I would go into a blackout, and I never could remember what I did. And that night, another, you know, drank myself into another blackout, got locked up for public intoxication. And I got arrested in Orleans Parish Prison, so they told me, you got to stay here for seven days, we'll let you out. 
Well, I can do seven days. I've, I've done time before. Seven days is nothing. And I was, as I was there, the Gideons came in. I didn't even know what a Gideon was. And they brought me these sack of Bibles. But I just want to leave with you a couple of points before I go any further. The first thing I want to tell you today is we've got to become how they are. Y'all with me? We've got to become how people are. Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, I become like the Jews. They don't even know I'm not one of them. Why? So I can win them. So I might have a shot at them. Paul says, I become like those under the law. Although I'm not under the law, I'm living free. Why? Because I might have a shot at converting them. He became like the weak so that he might win the weak. Are y'all with me? And he did all this, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I do all this so that I might win some for the sake of Christ. I might have a shot at them. You know, when I think about the the Gideons. And the second thing I want to leave with you is, guys, we don't need the result. We don't need to see the result. We live in a society where we feel like we've got to get the reward for what we did. If we fed someone, if we closed someone, if we made a, 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 a missions trip, look, we feel like we've got to get a selfie for everything we do. Look what I did. Met this homeless guy on the streets. Bow. And we feel like that we need to know, everybody needs to know what we're doing, but we also feel like that we need to see the end result. No, we don't. You know what? The Gideons hardly ever see the end result of their mission. They know about my story now. I had the privilege of speaking at their state convention a few years ago. And they know that, wow, that Bible that we gave that man made a difference, right? So they come marching into OPP, and I, I start reading this Bible strictly out of boredom. There was no, nothing else to read. Now, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I got to the Gospel of John. I started, I, I started evaluating my life. And you know what really got me? I read, I read these Gospels written by four different men, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they're all different, but yet they're the same. This must be real. And the moment I, I realized, oh my gosh, this is real, the Spirit of God came into my life. And I, I, I think I cried for two days and I repented. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I want to live different. And immediately, nobody had to tell me this, immediately in that jail cell, I no longer wanted to smoke. I no longer wanted to drink. Foul language left me. Everything was gone. Now, it, was, it was by the power of his spirit, and it was by his living word that the Gideons brought me. They, don't, they didn't know what was going to happen to me, but they planted the seed. They knew who their neighbor was. Who's your neighbor this morning? Who is it? It's not necessarily the person living next to you. Become who they are. And we don't need to see... The results, third thing I want to leave with you this morning is love the neighbor like you love yourself. You know, when we give our heart to Christ, we, we learn to love ourselves, And we, learned, we love to treat ourselves well. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, that's how we need to treat our neighbors. Luke 10, 27 
Read it again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Guys, we have no idea who we're entertaining. No idea. That next person that we approach or help out could be the next Billy Graham. Could be the next Gary or, guys, we have no idea. I had no idea that, that life would be like it is today 25 years later. But the Gideons knew who their neighbor was and they gave me a Bible. The bishop knew who his neighbor was and he prayed for me. He didn't condemn me. He prayed for me. And he said, God loves you and I love you. Here's where the miracle happened, right? I get out seven days later. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm killing time. I, I, I didn't want to be in the CBD in New Orleans. I just didn't want to be there. I didn't know the streets that well. I knew the West Bank. So I waited for the ferry to start running. It was about seven o'clock in the morning. I caught the ferry to get back over to the West Bank. That's where I was homeless. I just wanted to I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do, but I knew it was going to be sober. Amen? I knew that. I knew that I wanted to live a life of faith. And I read those Gospels again in another, another couple days. Well, I left my Bible behind to a, a guy that was in a cell next to me. I said, look, bro, this changed my life. Why don't you read it before you get out? Walking down Bell Chase Highway, it's about 7.30 in the morning, and I looked over to the right, and there was a guy pumping gas at a gas station. It was the bishop. Come on, guys. Stuff like that don't just happen. Amen? Y'all with me? So Jehovah just so happened had this bishop at that gas station at the very moment that I'm walking down Bell Chase Highway wondering what in the world I'm going to do with my life. And I walked up to him, and I looked a little different than seven days earlier, not a whole lot different, but a little bit different. I said, do you remember me? And as he recalled who I was, he celebrated with me, and I told him what had happened. And honestly, I didn't expect him to believe me. I mean, somebody who lives in New Orleans and who is in ministry has been burned before, Pastor. Am I right? Come on. You've been burned, but being burned is part of it. Amen. You get burned and you move on, you get burned again. So I didn't expect him to believe me, but I was trying to convince. I said, bro, I'm telling you, something, something happened. And I left my Bible behind. All I'm asking from you is for a Bible. Can you get me a Bible? He said, yeah, we'll go down to the bookstore. Well, he had his wife with him. And this is in the middle of July in New Orleans. And they had a, I'll never forget the color of it, man. It was an old yellow station wagon. They didn't have any air conditioning. And I'm getting in the car. I start to get in the back seat. His wife got out of the front seat with her fan. I mean, she was sweating bullets, man. She got in the back seat and put me in the front seat. Who's your neighbor? Wowzers. I can't tell you what that did to my life. She put me in the back seat. And then they took me to a bookstore, and they bought me a Bible, and we went and got something to eat. And he's just, he's just talking to me, man, sharing God's love with me. And, and this conversation kept going and going. And then we went to his office, and he, we sat in his office, and he was trying to find a place for me to go to no avail. 
And the day was coming to a close, and he says, Gary, I hope you understand. I can't, you can't stay here. I hope you understand that. But here's some money, and I'm praying for you. And if you need me, call me. Well, that day I called my mom. I hadn't talked to my mom in weeks. But what I didn't know was that Sunday, my mom had made an altar call. And she had made the altar call, and she went and talked to her pastor, and she said, pray for my son. I don't know where he's at. I know he's not doing good. I haven't heard from him in weeks. And the pastor said, we'll pray, but I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to give you a phone number to a place called Teen Challenge, and when he calls you, tell him to get there. Amen? Guys, stuff like this happens daily. Daily, every day. The master chess player is putting pieces together but if we're not taking our rightful place as a, as a minister in the ministry of restoration, we're not going to play a part of it. To this day, that bishop doesn't know what I'm doing. I've tried to find him. But he's gotten his reward. Amen? Whose life are you going to be a bishop in? Whose life are, are, are you going to play a major role in. So I called my mom to let, let her know that everything was okay. And, and for the first time in years, she actually believed me. You know, the Spirit of God will bear witness with each other if you're being manipulated or not. Amen? She knew I knew how to manipulate her. I'd done it for years. I said, Mom, I got saved in jail, and I don't know what to do. I didn't ask her to come back home. She said, well, Gary, I got a phone number. We prayed for you Sunday. Call this number. That day I walked 15 miles to get to Teen Challenge. That was 25 years ago. And life is good. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, you've had names and situations, people, circumstances roll through your mind as I've been talking this morning. It could be the guy at the intersection with a sign. Is he our neighbor? Yeah, but Gary's, you know, he's strung out. You know, they're just, we're just giving them money so they can use, maybe. But I'm using that person as an example. We have no idea what message of love is going to make the difference? We have no idea. If it hadn't been for a mother's prayers, I have no idea where I would be. If it hadn't been for the bishop, I have no idea where I would be. If it hadn't been for the Gideons, I have no idea where I would be. If it hadn't been for Teen Challenge, I have no idea where I would be. There was a lot of moving parts there. And God wants to use everyone in this room to make a difference. Who is your neighbor? I'd like to see us make a commitment this morning. Who would like to play the role of a bishop? Raise your hand. Come on. Who would like to play the role of a bishop? Not having to see the end result? Come on, raise your hands high. Come on. Can we commit this morning? Can we make a commitment? Man, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that will help someone and get in the back seat and give them the front seat. Wow. 
If you raise your hand this morning, can I pray for you guys? Can we, can we make, a, make a prayer this morning and just a commitment to be the bishop in my little space? Can we do that? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we understand this morning that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. We've been given a ministry of restoration. It's been given to us. Father, now we need to find our place in it. And Father, we need to get to work. And everybody that raised their hand here this morning is making a commitment to be that person. To be that bishop. To be that Gideon. To be that mom. Father, empower us. Equip us. Guys, you know, the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. In due time, we'll reap the harvest. But it's not for us. We thank you, Lord. We honor you. Bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Pastor Jeff Abels, and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. Why don't you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God and I don't want that I believe in Jesus I believe he died for me I believe he rose again through faith in Jesus I believe my life can change so I ask you Jesus come into my heart forgive all my sin and change my life Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray. According to your promise, my sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337 337- 
222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.